Welcome to episode 51 of the Search with Canada podcast recorded on Friday the 6th of March 2020. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and today I'm going to be joined by Seb Atkinson who is the head of SEO at Know Your Money and we're going to be talking about the whole SEO process, everything from technical SEO, ideation for content and link building. Zeb. Hey. Welcome. Thank you Thank very you. much for joining Thanks me. Thanks for inviting me in. Uh, so to be very uh, transparent from the beginning, uh, I've known Seb a while now. I actually used to work with him at an agency, uh, which is one of the ways I know uh, he's very competent and knows what he's talking about. And we actually had a developer conference last week in Norfolk where a technical SEO speaker dropped out and I was trying to find a replacement and Seb was one of my go-to people. Unfortunately, couldn't make it, but luckily for me, he agreed to come on the podcast. So thank you again very much. Uh, Seb is currently the head of SEO at Know Your Money. Uh, I believe he's got around eight years, that's about right, isn't it? Something like that. Something like that, of uh, experience in search. And he's one of the people that's lucky or unlucky enough, depending uh, on your views. He's had experience both agency side uh, and in-house. So Seb, to, to give us a little bit of background, do you just want to talk a, a little bit about your uh, role at Know Your Money and what you're responsible for there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, essentially, the, the company kind of grew more as like a, a PPC business. That's where they made all their money. Um, but they quickly realized that to really grow, they need to invest in SEO. So it's been a bit of a, a, bit of a journey for them to kind of... Um, Build the right team so i've been brought on essentially to take that that role essentially so um when i came in i was kind of the first seo person they, they dabbled in seo before but i was the first kind of specialist so my first task really was to just build up the team uh get a few people on board that knew what they're doing looking after various sections of the site and making sure we had all the kind of main functions of seo covered um and yeah so so that's been kind of a, the process so far uh getting those people in place so for those that don't know uh just to give you some context without kind of plugging it <laughs> know your money is uh is like a price comparison type site right that's a fair that's right yeah so cool. financial product comparisons cool um so i i think a really cool place to start would be since you've worked both agency and client size what do you see as the differences in the focus and priority of, of seo yeah, so actually, I think it is quite different, to be honest. So working in an agency, uh, obviously, I've been in mostly an agency background for most of my career, but you really have to kind of focus on these more kind of short-term, quick wins. Um, there's obviously an expectation of the client to get some results almost straight away sometimes, sometimes unreasonably so, uh, and you really need to focus on what are the quick wins. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help but laugh there because, yeah, I've definitely been there. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. Um, so you need to show credibility because if you're not delivering something, you might sign them up for a six-month contract, but if you're not delivering something of value in that time, then your credibility quickly goes out the window. You need to really kind of reassure the client. So even though they might have signed up for a contract, uh, they might have uh, signed up for a certain amount of, uh, of work to be done. But really, you still need to build that credibility. And, and therefore, the kind of activities you do are mostly going to be focusing on uh, quick wins. Um, so I think really the difference is uh, working in-house at least. Um, there's a lot more time available to actually go into a lot more detail into the nuts and bolts of uh, 
I'd say more analysis so you can really go into detail on why is this particular website ranking why are your competitors ranking over you uh, and, and really on the detail on what you can do to actually improve your your results um, whereas with a client maybe you can't necessarily go into that much detail because if you're charging if you're doing say I don't know five days a month of work uh, and you might spend three days of that on some really in-depth analysis but ultimately the client's not going to get much out of that it's, it's going to take a lot more work to actually deliver some results off the back of that so I feel like there's a real difference there. So while you still need to obviously prove credibility when you're working in-house, mm. you have a bit more time after that to uh, to really deliver results. You can look a lot longer term. You can plan for the future a bit more because you'll know you're going to be in that role for a longer period or hopefully. Um, <laughs> but with a, with a, an agency relationship, you might not um, necessarily think that far ahead because mm. you really are focused on how, what can I do to make the most of those five or six days a month mm. uh, to deliver some results quickly. That's a really interesting, uh, really interesting point. I think <clears throat> as SEOs got a bit more competitive as well, we're certainly seeing uh, clients from our agency side uh, getting more in-house uh, resource. So we are trying to help upskill, train their team and try and get them, as you say, to do things like the longer term planning and analysis because those things do have value mm. and that's how you win, you know, the long term game because it's not about, you know, short term tricks and, Definitely. Uh, you know, those games. That's that's really interesting. I think some agency people may will sort of be jealously listening, thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we had really you know, patient uh, <laughs> yeah. clients for that? Cool. Um, so I had a very quick look at Know Your Money uh, before you came on. It's not... Um, you know, it's not a site to be honest. I've been on much before, and I noticed just from a kind of technical SEO point of view, um, the the site seemed pretty fast. So you know, great. Uh, and you seem to heavily use this uh, what I think most people would refer to as a hub and spoke approach for content. So by that I mean, for those that are listening that haven't heard that, for when you're putting content on your site, rather than just kind of sticking it in a blog and then it it disappears down into the archives of, you know, March 2017. You seem to have built quite a few static sections that are around specific subjects. And then you've obviously got links to all the, the guides and uh, the informational content there. Mm. So I thought it'd be interesting just to ask you, um, really, what do you think nowadays, not necessarily specifically for uh, Know Your Money, are the, are the most important technical considerations? Yeah, so I suppose maybe a bit more background around that. So when uh, take take it back a few years, um, the site really was focused on landing pages that were bottom of the funnel, so really co content that was ready for someone to convert on. Um, but from their show point of view, there wasn't really much content there to kind of show our credibility. So we're thinking like EAT, so expertise, authority, trust. There wasn't really much of that content to support that. Um, so yeah, you need some content that's a bit higher up the funnel. Um, so that's what they were created for. Um, so I suppose one of the things to consider, first of all, is there's, when we talk about, I like, say, hygiene content, which I think is a horrible term. It sounds <laughs> like you're going to the dentist or something. Um, but when I, when I say that, that term, I mean content where it's customers looking for information about uh, some of the products you might have on your site, but they're not ready to convert yet. Um, and there's going to be a, probably a finite number of uh, questions that people will ask around those products. So you're going to have a, a limited number of uh, pages uh, potentially for those different topics. So being able to make sure that's accessible. So that's why kind of these more static hubs are beneficial for that reason, I think, because you want to make that content discoverable. Um, 
So this is really, like you say, this is where the, the user experience stuff is lining up really closely to the technical SEO because you're talking there about users finding that, that content easily. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think making sure that content is discoverable. So for, for our website, for example, you might be looking at a mortgage, but you might not know what the right kind of mortgage is for your needs. So you need an explainer for that. So as long as that content is discoverable, um, you're then providing a route to, to get that. And then also that's a, an SEO factor as well. So if you're, you're burying that content deep in your website, that page on what type of mortgage is right for me, that might not even be picked up very well by Google and therefore that page might not even rank uh, in search engines. So that's definitely something to consider. But with a kind of more static approach, then you can kind of promote those uh, those older pages that are most likely to perform better in search. You can promote those so they're accessible for Google and also just for users to actually come across. Mm. And that's probably quite important information for, for someone who's new to that product, uh, being able to kind of explore that and learn more about it. Uh, when they might not yet be ready to um, to actually convert. So the content you or I guess your team produces does sometimes come up in various feeds of mine. <clears throat> and I try to resist clicking on it because I know what you do when I feel tricked mm-hmm. sometimes when I'm like, oh, <laughs> I really want to read that, but that's what he wants. <laughs> uh, so I think like the last bit I noticed was the, uh, you did a bit about uh, car recalls that's and right, which yeah. brand were recalled the most. Um, which I did have to click on because I did want to know the answer. And that, that made me think, oh, you know, like I know Seb's doing a good job here because he's getting me someone who's quite, you know, content cynical <laughs> and <laughs> I know what, what's happening here to, to click on it. Do you want to, it'd be really interesting. Can you talk me through, because we've got onto content now, so I guess it's mm. a good time to talk about it. Can you just talk me through from the beginning how, what process you use to ideate content? How do you validate those ideas? How do you go about getting them produced, signed off internally? And just sort of as we go through, fill out a little bit about the team you're working with. That'd be really interesting. I yeah, think. absolutely. So um, I'd say to start with, it's a very kind of collaborative approach. Um, so we get a lot of people together to, to start off. So um, first of all, I think it's really good to get people to kind of come up with some initial ideas individually. Um, and then uh, we kind of come together and discuss that. So we might get a few people in the room. So first of all, uh, I will come in the room. Um, we would get our uh, content executive uh, to come in, obviously managing our content production. She's got an idea of uh, what people are looking for. Part of her role is looking at um, kind of search trends. And, and also we keep a, keep a tab on the news as well. So we want to know what's current because ultimately if you're going to get some, uh, you want to get some links from the content, you need to have something that's, that's relevant to what journalists are after. Um, so we'll then uh, kind of come together. We, we also work with, um, while we are building our in-house team, we also do work mm. with uh, external parties as well. So uh, agencies, PR executives, PR experts things and, and people like that. Uh, and we get them to come up with ideas as well. Um, and then we come together and we discuss those. So we, what we normally do is we come up with uh, four or five ideas. We then work through those, we discuss those. Uh, we really think about, um, okay, what, um, what's in the news about this at the moment? Is it something that's timely? Is it something that's maybe oversaturated and actually uh, being a challenger brand? Maybe it's something where we're not really best placed to talk about that. Uh, maybe we're going to get drowned out by kind of more influential publications. When, when you say come together to talk about that, is that like a session that some that one person leads? Like, do you lead that or someone else yeah, leads so, that? Yeah, so we just literally get around the table, uh, around our uh, meeting room table um, and really just uh, discuss it. So um, depends who's come up with uh, some ideas. So we kind of come together with um, everyone who's thought of some ideas. We'd bring those to the table. We'll have those people introduce the ideas and the main talking points from, from how they see it. Um, but then we kind of dissect that and then we think about, okay, 
what other ways could we uh, um, improve that? Could we make a variation of that? Every time we do a meeting like that, someone else comes in and thinks, okay, I've seen something like this in the news. How about that kind of angle? Uh, or it might be, okay, well, that's kind of a seasonal thing. We might do some research around seasonality and actually it's not really the right time now, but that might be something we can look at, say, in six months' time when that's a seasonal a seasonal thing again. That initial ideation process, when I've heard other people talking about content creation, they say sometimes that's the hardest part. Yeah. What percentage of time would you say that ideation phase takes if you consider from there to when something goes live on the site? It takes a long a time. Question. Yeah, very long. I'd probably even say, so we, we do. We kind of think about these in batches, actually. Mm. So we might have a, a plan of doing three campaigns over six months, for example, and we'd usually kind of come up with uh, a, a quarter of a year at a time, maybe even half a year. Depends. Depends what comes up in the sessions because we might think of something that is ready, mm. um, that's something that's, that's, that's viable for six months' time, and then we'll have that on the back burner and we'll, we'll come up with that. So it, it can take a while. Um, obviously, things might happen in the meantime, and then it might mean that that idea isn't suitable anymore, and we mm. might find actually there's something else that's a lot more topical. The the idea can kind of evolve over time. So, um, but I suppose let's say we've got one topic that's ready to go. Yeah. Um, it will probably take about two months. So, bearing in mind, we also need to think about. Um, what data do we have? So it needs to be something, if we're gonna get uh, coverage in the, in the media, we need something that's unique to us. So we need to have some data, whether that's a survey, whether it's ONS data. Um, and it might be that the idea we have doesn't actually doesn't actually work because maybe that data is not actually available. So mm -hmm. we, then we need to spend some time actually mining that data. We need to, um, let's say it's ONS data, we need to actually see if that data is available in the, in the format we need. Um, or it might be um, we want to survey a certain type of person, but maybe there's not enough people to make it viable. So, for example, if you're surveying uh, the general public, you need at least 2,000 people. Uh, otherwise, the journalists think, well, this, there's a sample yeah. size is too small. Or if it's someone more specific, if it's B2B, it's around like 250. But if you can't find the right kinds of people, then it, it might fall flat because actually you might only have 100 people. Um, and therefore, the results just aren't really significant enough. So then that kind of story could go out the window. But from there... It might be that the data reveals, okay, there's something else we can we can do. There's something else in this topic we can talk about. Um, so it might go through a few variations before we actually come up with the hook. So, and this is, I guess, where we we, we work with like a kind of, we, we need a sounding board essentially. So I think that's a big recommendation actually, just to have a sounding board maybe of journalists, of, of other industry experts that you can kind of talk about these ideas, maybe pitch these ideas to journalists. So this is like the validation yeah, process. Yeah, so validation, absolutely. So um, is it a good idea? Um, this is something we do for our PR agency. So they might go away and um, talk to some journalists and uh, say, Look, we're, we're going to be working on this topic. Uh, is this something of interest? And then at least you've got a, an idea of what the uptake might be. Mm. And and through, through PR agencies, they should really be building up relationships with trusted journalists so um so then you've got uh, these good connections so when it does go live then you've already got someone to go to um to get some uh, publicity off the back of it so when you said a couple of months um uh, does that include the content production time so maybe are you, are you spending sort of half the time on this ideation and validation or yeah over so half the time? about about one month would be on kind of coming up with idea yeah. um it might be about a week or two weeks to kind of get the data. Assuming it's all right, then mm. it might take another month to put it together because then obviously we'll go away, we'll think about what the, uh, we'll finalise what the hooks are for journalists. Uh, we'll then work on the, the structure of the content. Um, so we work with an agency to help us with that um, because these are quite big pieces. We normally do longer form content, although we are looking at some other 
options like tools. Um, so we've got to put that together. And then we, we also try and make it, um, it has to look pretty good. So we want to have some good graphics on there as well. So there's a bit of development time as well. So it can take a bit of time to put that together. So yeah, around like a month really. Um, maybe we could do that faster. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's mainly around quality. This is the, the, the big campaigns that hopefully are going to bring in good links for our site. I just think that's an interesting takeaway for people listening because one thing I've come across a lot of the time within house content production is there just isn't enough time spent on ideation mm. and on um, yeah just coming up with enough good ideas. Uh, it seems to be sometimes like, oh, we'll just write about this or you know we just go for this key phrase and there's not a lot kind of a thought that's gone through that. So I think the important points here you mentioned there are getting people individually to think of these ideas, bringing them together actually then cross-examining those ideas and seeing how they fit in with news topics, seasonality, when they might be appropriate. And you can come up with multiple ideas at once. Uh, the validation of those ideas is really important as well. And if uh, the uniqueness, getting your own data you mentioned, and of course then the the hook, what's the narrative? So you mentioned there like ONS data, which obviously you know lots of people can get access to, but it's about trying to find a narrative that's interesting around that absolutely yeah well. and, and if that hook's missing if there's no interesting narrative off the back of it then probably might find that the campaign just won't work because how are you going to get someone interested mm -hmm. in talking about that in these is it was all those different factors coming together to make a successful piece so it's the the so what test at the end exactly after yeah. you've got the yeah. idea and you can uh, just say so what <laughs> definitely uh, and also it might be the case that you don't necessarily have a sounding board to come up with this idea so there might be other people outside of marketing in your company that you can kind of talk to and see if they're an average reader is that something they'd be interested in and if the answer is no it's kind of like a sanity test if, if the answer is no then maybe it's something to to rethink and to maybe try some of the other ideas so that's why i think it's a really good idea to just get a lot of people involved in that process um sometimes it's a bit difficult to i guess come up with something that's compelling uh if you're kind of heads in the marketing mind frame all the time you yeah. need to kind of get some other uh input on that to make that worthwhile you briefly mentioned the word tools <laughs> when yeah. you're explaining all that to me do you have any specific tools you particularly like for this process or your team that you're using yeah so i suppose from a content point of view um there's a few tools we use so um google trends is a good one um so looking at seasonality so it might be uh mortgages industry so uh, a lot of people look around look about houses in like january um guarantor loans um there's a massive lull in those in the summer because guarantors are on holiday so that doesn't really work so if you can do a campaign there is that going to affect the bottom line probably not um so google trends is a good place to start um and then you also need to look at um obviously well not obviously but with our campaigns at least uh we want to get coverage in the media so um we, we also obviously link building is important for that we want to then get some seo results out of that so we would also look at uh competitors has someone else done a similar piece in the past it might be a few years ago um we would use a tool like majestic or moz to look at uh backlinks um and see how have they acquired links like that in the past uh, is it something we could approach and we could say okay um we could update your page or here's some new information on this so while we would go out with a PR agency and get some links straight away, there's no reason why you can't just uh, take this piece of content and do some of your own link building to it afterwards. Once the main campaign is gone, you can then um, okay. build more links later. So that's maybe seeing a, a, a specific writer or a journalist who's, say, written about, I don't know, a survey in 2016 and you're doing a new version for this year. So you could contact them and say, hey, I saw you wrote about this. We've done an updated version. If they 
want to run that kind of story again because a lot of those stories i guess are interesting year on year yeah absolutely so um yeah so uh keyword tool as well obviously um if you want to then get that page to rank for something you need to kind of think about what it might rank for quite early on i'd say although to be honest um kind of ranking that page might not be the main priority if you want to get links you can obviously then put some internal links through to your main landing pages um i normally use uh semrush um so keyword magic tool obviously semrush is a bit of a jack of all trades to be honest so um but but there is a really useful tool in there so i think if you were going to get like one tool if you can only afford one semrush is good because it's got such a big toolbox of different tools in there um but then content specific tools as well so answer the public um i think pretty much everyone in seo is aware of that tool uh, and what else there's this one called also asked yeah i've um, heard of that i don't know someone, <laughs> I think there's a norwich agency who, who published that so but yeah i use that it's pretty good if you didn't say yeah. it i was going to so. <laughs> brilliant um just very quickly because we, we, we're sort of pretty far through now i just wanted your very top line opinion on this and do you think this process i.e and by that i mean the process you're essentially going through to get ultimately seo benefit has changed in terms of now it feels to me and i don't know if you agree with this people spend a lot longer on content than they used to and the outreach has changed quite significantly do you agree with that or i feel like spending too much time on content maybe isn't the best idea mm -hmm. while you do need to have great content it needs to be worthwhile it's really about quality over quantity um I do think you still need to spend a lot of time on outreach. Um, so from my point of view, I've just been doing a lot of competitive research on other competitors in that market, and I'm still finding a lot of those pages have, all of those competitive sites have a lot of links directly to the main landing pages. Um, and you can see a correlation with, for example, I categorize the competitive site down into different groupings based on the, the products they're selling, and then mapped the estimated traffic of those using SEMrush data. And I found that the pages or the categories that have more links corresponded with higher rankings. So I think there's a clear case to say um, where they're getting links, um, they're getting better SEO results. But at the same time, you need to have good content to be able to get those links in the first place. Um, so if you're thinking about the different linkable assets you have, content's one of them. If you haven't got content, then you're just resorting to money, so paid links, and obviously that's really risky. So it makes sense to invest in enough good quality content to to use that as your linkable asset um, and you're probably going to get much better quality links off the back of that so so i do think that's important but i think it's the balance you, you do need to have a, a plan and, and when we plan content we also think about is this a a, um, a topic we can link build to as well so it might not be that we um let's say it's like a, a kind of a shorter piece of content um, we'll look at competitors we'll look at what links they've got to those pages we'll think about can we do some links to, the, to this uh, to this page it might also be that we can repurpose some of the survey data and put that information on other pages and turn those into linkable assets because there's now something of value that is like unique data that people can't get elsewhere so then there's a reason to reach out with with that piece of content to get links so so yeah i think um i guess in summary i still see link building as a very important part of the process um Content is as a precursor, essentially. I think you need the good content in the first instance, but but be wary of spending too much time solely producing content and not promoting it whatsoever. You mentioned about you mentioned the word value a few times there, and mentioned about buying links, for instance, and saying it's probably better value to work on your own linkable assets, you know, longer term. 
Do you have a process where you go about assigning value to, you know, the outcomes that you're getting? Because again, I've seen all kinds of things agency side that other agencies and clients have done down to things like formulas that calculate the pounds and pence value of a particular link based on trust flow and domain authority and traffic. And do you have a way internally that you're kind of, um, forecasting or justifying the the investment you're making to get that coverage and links i think it's a it's an interesting topic actually because you could come up with a an algorithm to kind of work out the value of the link but the thing is google isn't using that value itself so all these kind of tools that you see that measure the value of a, a domain they're all inherently flawed because google isn't using that um so i, I probably wouldn't I wouldn't really bother actually kind of coming up with my own metric. So we really try and keep it simple. Um, it, it's a little bit crude, but all we look at is what's the domain authority of the site. And, and that, that's knowing that the main authority isn't necessarily the best metric, but then again, there aren't really any other, um, obviously there's multiple metrics similar to that, but none of them are the kind of source of truth essentially. Um, the way we do it is we just look at what links have we got this month? what's the domain authority of the sites we've got. And then when we think about our progress or performance, we, we then just um, have a cumulative total of the domain authority we've achieved that month. And then that gives us kind of an overarching metric. And obviously it's a little bit of a kind of crude way of doing it, but then obviously we, we drill down and think about what was the average um, domain authority across all these different sites. Um, we look at the links individually as well. So some links are worth more than others. So it might be uh, a link as, um, well, it might be like a, a link directly to uh, to a landing page or a useful piece of content. It might be linked to the homepage. It might just be, uh, it might not even be relevant to the content itself. So you have to kind of look at them individually, I think. Um, so how are you judging if a campaign is successful or not? So it is again crude, um, but how many, how many links have we got? Mm -hmm. Um, but this is excluding some of these like lower quality sites. We wouldn't really go after those. We don't, we were only looking at, uh, what we call like tier one and tier two links. So uh, mainstream press and then quality like niche industry sites. Um, and I, I just don't think there's a there's a perfect way of doing it. So that's why we've kind of kept it really quite simple um, and just based it off that. And then ultimately it comes down to, are we moving the needle on our rankings and traffic? Mm -hmm. um, if we're not, then it, it means, uh, yeah, okay, maybe those links weren't worthwhile, but at the same time we need to be comparing ourselves to the competitors. So that's why. Um, I gave the example earlier about yeah. uh, looking at what where, what links our competitors have, what pages they're going to. Um, can we replicate what they're doing um, that's clearly successful? Can we avoid things that don't look like they're mm. working? Um, no, I'm, sorry, a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan important. of that. Yeah. Always a fan of keeping it simple. I mean, I've I've gone so far as to with some clients when we're talking about the value of links, just actually saying, well, do we get did we get or do we get much traffic from it? Because if it's on a relevant site, I feel that's trusted will it will probably have traffic and if the link's in a prominent place you know it's not yeah hidden somewhere in a yeah you know amongst 300 other links then you'll probably get some traffic from yeah. it so if you're getting links from it then it's probably uh, so if you're getting traffic from it, it's probably a good link uh if you haven't had any traffic for a year from it, it may not be so yeah. great i suppose it's also a case of looking at the kind of link building a competitor has done so if they're ranking really well and they've got a lot of backlinks um, then that kind of means you probably need a lot of bank links as well and, and offer similar quality and similar topic to what that competitor has. Some some industries, links are less important and therefore 
you don't really need to put too much weight on that. It might be more around the, the kind of content you have. You might only need a handful of links from a few specific domains in that industry. Um, so that's why it's a really good idea to just look at competitors and, and learning about how they ranked. And this is kind of coming from us as a challenger brand. We're kind of catching up with competitors. So we've got the benefit of uh, seeing what they've done and kind of learning off them. Um, so a little bit cheeky, but they're doing the research I'm sure for us. They'd love to hear that. <laughs> Well, when we're talking uh, about links, at the end of last year and this year, we've had a few changes to how Google has said they're handling uh, rel nofollow links. So last year they said they're moving uh, rel nofollow to be a hint. So they may choose to ignore the fact that there's a nofollow on there. And then I think it was yesterday or day before, day before maybe was the quote unquote uh, nofollow day where Google was meant to then switch, uh, flick a switch. I guess that's how it's done. There's just someone flicks a switch. Uh, and they, we're going to start using nofollow links for discovery and indexing. Although they've clarified that doesn't seem to have happened yet, but whatever. <laughs> My question is really around nofollow links because we all know as SEOs, they are kind of a natural part of a backlink profile. I'd, I'd say my professional opinion be if you've got thousands of backlinks and none of them are nofollow, that's probably more suspicious than having nofollow links. But my question is to you is if you're earning links with these placements that are nofollowed links, knowing what we know now, which is Google saying, well, we'll just kind of make a judgment call on how we feel about it. Are you still going to the effort of trying to get people to make them follow links where where you can, or are you, would you just if you got a no follow link, you know, would you be happy with it, or are you trying to specify they're followed, or are you just getting what you're getting? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think um, <clears throat> the whole uh, announcement that Google have made about it might be down to the fact that a lot of mainstream press just blanket no follow everything. Yes, they do. And then <laughs> so we're talking like UK newspapers. So they're basically just not giving out any kind of SEO value. And the thing is, Google tries to like replicate popularity in the real world. And if a, if a brand is being mentioned in the press, surely that's like a signal. This is a trustworthy brand and it should be considered. So maybe this whole change is all about we want to now kind of count some of these links on sites that blanket no follow everything. Um, so, so, yeah, so I would actually say it probably depends on the website, to be honest, mm. because... It might be uh, like a niche industry, industry site. They might know follow certain pages. Um, but then uh, maybe that site didn't have as much value anyway. But if we're talking like, uh, I don't know, newspaper website, everything is no followed. That's probably a signal to Google that, okay, all of these uh, links are treated identically no matter where they are on the page. So even if they're inside the body text, they're being no followed. And that's the case across the whole domain. Then that might be where Google's going to start using um, that signal and then decide actually this is now a hint and we're going to take um, the value of this we're going to treat it like a, a followed link because otherwise maybe they haven't got the right data to go off it I mean it could be like a, a business that only does PR doesn't really focus on link building in the kind of SEO sense and has a lot of these brand mentions yeah, and, and that's no good for users yeah exactly and uh, and it might be a case of Google trying to find a bit more data on that to, to um, kind of take these press mentions into account a bit better because I do think over the last few years, maybe like the last five years, more and more sites have gone to this. So we're talking like probably 2014 or around mm. that period when basically any kind of link scheme, Google would go after you and so many website webmasters were just terrified of it and no following everything. So so I think that's probably that's probably why they've done it. Um, 
Yeah, so it might be like smaller smaller websites that might see a benefit, but I'd probably say that maybe bigger brands where they're getting a lot of press mentions anyway, there might not be much difference for those. So mm-hmm. it's probably going to be like case by case. So it'd be really interesting to see if there are any actual ranking changes off the back of that. And lastly, we'll wrap up here, just put you on the spot. Have you got yeah. any favourite content pieces or campaigns you've seen recently that yes, you thought worked actually, well? Yes, actually, yeah. So um, so this, I guess the background of it is we were trying to do a Christmas campaign and it was moderately successful, it was all right. Um, but then we saw one of our competitors uh, kind of knock it out of the park. They had a really good piece. So uh, money.co.uk, um, they did this gift index. And basically it's this tool where you can go on um you put in like where you are in the country um you write down what the occasion is or you click a box and this is the occasion so it might be christmas present obviously being christmas but you could also choose it's uh, mother's day father's day it's parents anniversary you put in how much money you're planning to spend on them as a present and then it shows you the average across the uk in different areas of the country and then it can either shame you into saying well you haven't spent enough money so me with my 15 pound anniversary (laughs) present wasn't going to cut it when the average was about 40 45 something like that so I thought it was really good. They got loads of coverage across the regional press, being a regional piece. They could break down the region. Yeah. So you've got that's where like this journalistic hook comes in. Yeah. You've got a regional interest. That's smart. Plus, um, this was one piece of data. So they did the survey, probably two thousand people. And obviously they got a lot of coverage now, but they could then reuse that again for Valentine's Day, for um I don't know when other people give presents, Easter. If people <laughs> give presents at Easter, I have no idea. Um yeah, so they could reuse that. That's now a kind of evergreen piece of content. They could do loads of link building off the back of it. So, yeah, great, great idea. Uh, kind of wish I thought of it. Um, that is a I'm not nice smart idea. enough for that, though. So, <laughs> brilliant, Seb. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. You gave some really good advice there. We are going to be back next week, which will be Monday, the 16th of March. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can get the show notes with links to things we've talked about, along with the full transcription at search.withcanda.co.uk. And as usual, if you are listening on the web and you enjoy the podcast, you can subscribe on pretty much any platform, whether it's Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere. Just look for Search With Canda, and I will speak to you all next week. 